0: I can pretty much guarantee that any business owner will tell you that running a business is hard. Unless you went to business school, there are so many details and unique facets about running a business that it's honestly kind of hard to be prepared for. And many business owners are really just creatives. And when they get to the nuts and bolts part of a business, it can be overwhelming. But one of the best characteristics of a good business owner is understanding when and how to get help. It's important to realize what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, and it's important to reach out and say, I can't do all of this alone. Maybe sometimes that means hiring someone to help you or bringing on a business partner who understands the other side of things. Or maybe that's even learning from someone else. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview a business owner or a community leader or just an amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not just through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Jackie Moselle, the founder of Moselle Clothing and Ethical Kids Clothing Line. But why I had Jackie on the show this week is actually to talk about the apprenticeship she did this year through Purse and Clutch. This was a really unique and fun conversation, and I Loved learning from her, and I know you will too. Now on to the episode with Jackie. Hey, Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. Um, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being on the show. I'm pumped to have you on. And I am, today's show is going to be a little bit different because um, you have, I mean, and I don't want to give away all the spoilers, but um, you are newer in business, but you have gone through something that is really unique in the business space. It's unique in the ethical fashion world. Um, you've been through an ethical apprenticeship. And so I am so excited to kind of, because honestly, this is something I know pretty much <laughs> nothing about. So um, yeah. I'm really excited just to learn from you and, and kind of hear about your experience, but but before we get into all of that, I want to hear the Jackie 101. So tell us okay. your story and um, and everything that kind of led you to where
1: you are now. Okay, great, thanks. So Jackie 101. Well, I uh, started about I guess it's been three years now, so it's it's sort of um, the the ten years to overnight success feel of like does this really take this long? Um, yeah, I totally about understand. Three years ago, yeah, I started. Um, a project with a, um, a really dear friend of mine, um, who is from Peru and, uh, we've been friends for about 20 years. And, um, we had started a project to, uh, design and develop children's clothing that highlights artisan work in Lima and works with small batch manufacturers in Lima, Peru. And, um, The initial inception of that project really came about. We were looking, he had brought some um, samples of work over to the U.S. I live in Austin, Texas, and he was visiting and had brought some samples of work. And the project itself, I mean, one of the major pieces um, for our work was to really try to provide ethical production. And um, there's a lot of complexities with doing that, working abroad, having having all of those processes in place. And so I, I just launched after three years, I just launched the actual first real collection. I mean, there's been quite a few number um, attempts at samples and looking at the textile blends and designs, but I did just launch. It's been really positive so far. So awesome. I, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been great. And I, so really what led me to, um, I mean I guess part of that Jackie 101 is that I just as a person am also a really curious and love learning and I really approached this this whole endeavor as a project as something I was you know, working with my friend in Peru to do and to try to really establish a model that felt good to both of us. And along the way, I felt like I really need help figuring this out. I'm, I'm actually not from a fashion background at all. Um, I am from like a social, uh, I've worked with social services, social programs, social justice um, work for, you know, 20 plus years. And so that the part of um, working towards ethical production was a, a really good fit for me and made sense to do as a, a, a project. But I didn't have the fashion background, and I I really that's kind of how the apprenticeship came into play because I thought I need to I need to learn these other pieces yeah. that um, that I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I want to go back a little bit before we get into the whole ethical apprenticeship part. So you mm-hmm. mentioned that you have worked in, with social services and social justice. You know, where did your passion and your heart for uh, for ethical goods and, and where did this all kind of stem from and, and how did you even get con- connected to Peru?
1: So the connection to Peru, um, so I have a, a, a really good friend. We've been friends for about 20 years and he is, so originally from Peru, he had moved back to Peru, I, I want to say anywhere between five to seven years ago. And um, he actually started uh, ethical fishing, uh, export import business there. And um, during that work had become kind of increasingly interested in, in other opportunities for economic development and really helping um, the helping Peruvians yeah and it was it was really his idea when um, we first started talking about this project a, a couple years ago to really look at kind of how to also um, use kind of clothing production to help, Improve economic conditions and economic um, opportunities for some of the artisans and makers in Peru and in Lima specifically because um, he already had had some work with individuals who were doing some manufacturing and artisan work there. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a natural fit for me. I definitely that they've I loved the idea of of working on a project that would hopefully you know, if we can can make it work, would help provide more economic opportunity. I personally came from a background of working with lots of different different organizations, nonprofits, and other social uh, service and social policy work. So I already had a strong interest in that. Um, as a kid, I really liked fashion and drawing designs and doing fashion design. So that it also was very interesting to me in this other, you know, in another way, because I thought, oh, here is something that I do actually really like. And, um, I, I became really increasingly interested in, in how to solve the problem of making really stylish and, and attractive clothing, but in a way that also supports a better model for people, um, that are making the products, whether that's, you know, the us or abroad or you know there's all kinds of models for ethical production um yeah. but it, it became increasingly more interested and I, you know i guess i hadn't um i've always been a shopper so <laughs> but there wasn't an issue about not liking clothing but i hadn't really thought and i think this is something you find with a lot of people who in kind of enter this world um I hadn't thought about all of the various pieces of the industry and production and how clothes are made. I mean, I of course had heard, you know, I I, I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, about ethical production and I had been interested. I've always been, you know, somewhat of a person who wants to, to do the right things in the world. So, um, I had somewhat of, of a, a distant idea, but I really didn't know, um, as much at all until I got involved in this. And actually also until I started working with clothing production and seeing how, uh, much, how complex it is, how much time it takes, if it's done thoughtfully and and with the right conditions and, um, how intricate it is. I mean, from, it, look, from every step of the way, you know, the pattern making, the measurements, the ideation on ter- in terms of like what the fit, what's going to work, and then to samples, choosing textiles, working with, um, you know, locally sourced materials. I yeah. mean, it is... And I, I, now I, when I buy something, I just, like, I can't believe we even have clothes. I feel like it's so much work. It really is. People have, I mean, you unless you're a
0: seamstress or if you're some type of, I don't know, clothing you actually have made clothes yourself, you don't realize, yeah, the intricacies that go into it. I mean, even if you just stop and like look at the clothing that you're wearing or the jeans that you're wearing and just look at all the detailing. I mean, the stitching, the rivets, the zippers, the buttons, the hem. I mean, it's just there's so much that is involved.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I so I I think the process of me starting this project uh, with my friend and really beginning the first steps of it, i I've learned so much along the way, which also really helped to engage both of us and more in making sure that the process and the production pieces are that that all of it is fitting a model that we believe in Mm -hmm. and so it I mean it it's just it's it's amazing and I I do I think I mean I know your listeners are probably some of the more um aware and socially conscious people that that do know these things but I, I I encourage everyone to just learn more about how clothing is made how Th- what the process looks like, all of the steps. I mean, it is just, it's really incredible to see the amount of work that goes into uh, what we put on our backs.
0: <laughs> I completely so. agree. And this is one of those conversations that I feel like I want more people to be having because mm-hmm. I i want to flip the conversation on its head when people, I mean, it, I'm at the point now where, I mean, I give, don't worry, I give so much grace But it does kind of frustrate me when I hear people say, well, like, oh, why is that so expensive? And Mm -hmm. I just want to start saying to people, I I want you to ask, why is that so cheap? So like if you go into Old Navy and there's a shirt on sale for four dollars, I, you know, I'm just saying we, we might we should probably be asking why that is so cheap. Because we got to think about the cotton that was grown and the farmer that harvested the cotton Mm -hmm. and then the cotton that had to be ginned and then it had to be made into fabric and then that fabric had to be cut and then it had to be sewn and then it had to be packaged and shipped and resold and there still has to be a profit made. So Mm -hmm. how can you tell me that everybody in that supply chain from the time the cotton was grown to the time that shirt is purchased how are those people paid fairly if that shirt is four dollars?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, and
1: it, I mean for me, it was. I grew up in a farming family, so I've had an appreciation, I think, from a really young age about um, food production and mm-hmm. and and that whole world. And I feel like there's been such a rich conversation um, over the last probably fifteen years about. Uh, you know, the kind of food supply chain and how food is really grown and harvested, and, you know, and and now people have the opportunity to go to farmer's markets and there's a real, there's a, a I think a, a real awakening or a consciousness around food, but I haven't, I don't think that's as widespread for clothing. And so I, I can really appreciate what you're saying is just, I, w- I would like to see that conversation happening more as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what was your motivation for doing children's clothing and not, you know, trying something else? What, you know, where did the desire to do a a children's clothing line come from?
1: Um, Totally personal. I just, I had a kid. So I, um, I think, so we started the project three years ago and my daughter's four and a half now. So I had a really small child um, at the time and I, I was interested in um, what, you know, in the market, what's available for kids clothing and um, being able to think about like, how could we make really interesting, stylish children's clothing that are still employing ethical practices and really highlighting artisan and work, um, which, I, you know, I just, I just wanted to see the same kind of clothing that I would want to buy my child as well. So yeah. it was, it was really just about like, that's where my universe, you know, was at the time. Um, as we've done the work, I've actually really, I'm, I really like being in the children children's clothing world because, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of Playful options in terms of colorways and you know choosing different styles. I mean, kids' clothes are cute, basically. They <laughs> so are. I mean, like, They're so cute. Yeah. So I think mean, it's just like a really fun design space too. I mean, just to be able to um, work with children's clothing. I actually now am it, the pro, you know because it's taken me a while to to get the first launch. Um, now I want to to design. But I want to at least expand the sizes because I, because my own child is getting bigger, so I feel like oh well, I you know I'd like to be able to see her in some of the things we're working on. So yeah, um, she was the whole motivation
0: though, for it to begin with. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I was like, oh, wait, she's she's kind of she's outpacing my ability to to get this to market. So, um, yeah. So I I mean I think in the in in the future I'd like to expand the sizes, but I do really love working with. Um, I really I just like working with kids' clothing. I think it's 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 a fun space. And I wanted to see more out there that I would potentially have have bought when she was, you know, smaller and also as she grows. So, yeah, so I want
0: to transition now to talking about the ethical apprenticeship. And so mm-hmm. I, for people that that are pretty much like me, I mean, i I know enough because obviously, you and I have had conversations. and um I had, um, Jen from Person Clutch on the show, you know, so I, I know enough, but I don't know kind of where this all stemmed from. How did you get involved in this? Um, so give us the whole backstory and, and how this particular apprenticeship works.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. And, and I, I feel really like it's a great opportunity to talk about this with you because I feel like your audience will probably like this. I, I was in that space. Um, in terms of me finding it, I was really, I I had a vision. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I just, I needed to, I needed resources and I needed more help to figure out how to do it. I live in Austin, Texas, so I am fortunate to be based in the same place as Person Clutch. Person Clutch is also based in Austin, Texas. And for those individuals out there who don't know that that company, um, that is an ethical uh production line of um handbags and accessories and person clutch works primarily with um ethiopia and guatemala and artisans in both countries so i you know of course i was very hungry at the time to, to figure out how to do this project i'm doing and i wanted more um resources and how to think about things and and what you know really how to to create my own model, and I did find through just kind of the, you know, searching on my own the the interwebs, cursing um, <laughs> Clutch, um, and they, you know I knew about them as well because they're in Austin, but I didn't know that they had an apprenticeship. And actually now, fortunately, they they've uh, broadened their. Their scope, so they're able to actually offer the apprenticeship to people all around the world. So that that's great because originally I thought, okay, well, I'm in Austin, I can do the, this you know in person. But Jen had just recently moved the model to a Skype model so that she could engage people in other from other areas. So that has been great. Um, the apprenticeship itself, and I guess like a little backstory for this for me was I I was finding a lot of opportunities for um, apprenticeships in that focus on goods made in the US, uh, which is fabulous. I think there are some really good programs out there to help people start their ethical f- fashion lines in the US. Um, but I wasn't finding a lot that helped people think through the international models and you know there are so many nuances to the international model that i think you still have in the u.s model i mean you still have quality assurance you shall still have shipping you still have um production issues but there there's an extra layer of just really what that spectrum of of ethical production is going to look like if you're working with another country and the country you know you're not living in that country and you want to make sure that everything is up to standards that would be of the ethical vision that you have. So there just there weren't a lot of I guess those opportunities. And I felt really fortunate to kind of land on person clutch as an opportunity because their focus um, is a program that does assist understanding of ethical production in a US I mean outside of the US, so internationally. Um, I also, there's also lots of incubators and accelerators out there and I am doing an incubator now. So I was, I I wanted to do an incubator eventually, um, because usually those focus on your, you know, your actual business and helping you get your business to the next stage. But I wasn't ready for that. When I went to do my apprenticeship with person clutch, I needed to kind of walk side by side with somebody else's business. Yeah. And see, you know, how does this work? Like, what are the pieces that I'm not thinking about? What are the things that I don't know? I mean, when you're completely new to something, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so I didn't feel ready for an incubator. Six months ago, I felt like I needed to actually shadow or see another business in operation and learn from that business's approach and have a better understanding of what that looks like. Yeah. So
0: would would you say the main difference between an incubator and an apprenticeship is an apprenticeship is you're sort of just walking alongside them and really learning from their business model and everything that Mm -hmm. they do. And then the incubator is somebody that's maybe working more individually with you. I mean,
1: I, Mm -hmm. is that sort of
0: the main difference?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of models for incubators and accelerators. So I, I think they they can have really different, I, I think they can, they can look different depending on what the program is. But I, my, what I was finding is that incubators and, and sort of accelerator programs are, they're helping you specifically develop your business. Um, and that can be like Well, the one I'm in now, which is also really great, is with mentors and specifically helping you with your kind of quarterly visions and getting you to the next stage, whatever that is for your program. Mm -hmm. Whereas an apprenticeship, I mean, I I kind of think of it, you know, back with it's sort of um, like with trades. You know, if you wanted to learn how to do carpentry or something like that, like it's a hands on experience. Process where you're learning alongside somebody who is a master or expert in that world. And with Jen's program with Person Clutch, um, I mean, I think the design of the program is really excellent. She really sets it up so that you understand some of the macro level. Um, elements. So really looking at, you know, what is fair trade, why is ethical production important, really looking at some of those macro level pieces is I think essential. And I I really respect that she starts in that place and has people really dig into the whys of these pieces. And then she walks you through all of the different really I think probably all of the things that she's had to think about in developing her business, which is, you know, are you like, how are you going to sell? What are your sales channels? And what, how are you going to message your product strategically? How do you build public relations? And how are you going to scale your project? I mean, so it is now what she does, she it's when you're learning it, she's teaching you more about what purse and clutch has done, and how they've gone through that process. So it's it's really helpful because especially if you don't, uh, have everything figured out for your own business, you're really just getting a window into how another business did that. And right. it, and it's, it's, it was so helpful, Molly. I mean, I was every week I was so, you know, I would just walk away like with so much information that I, that was that I needed, that I needed yeah. to, to know so that I could help think through those specifics for me. And of course, we don't have this exact same company, we don't have the exact same model. Um, I don't think that it ha- that the individuals who participate have to have the same model or um, kind of product line or any of those things. I mean, it's really, it's just really helpful to be able to see how another business has run or is running and uh, apply that in whatever way makes sense to your own business.
0: Okay. I know you are loving this conversation with Jackie, but let me take a quick break and tell you about the amazing brand that is helping to make today's show possible. I want to thank this week's sponsor, which is Cosbox. You guys know I love Cosbox. I talk about them all the time because I have been a subscriber of Cosbox since the beginning. I started subscribing to Cosbox over two years ago and immediately fell in love with it. And I have been a proud member ever since. If you do not know, CauseBox is a quarterly subscription box that comes out each season, and each season's box has a whole design and a product theme, but most importantly, every single product in the box is ethically made, fair trade, or gives back in some way. The products are gorgeous. You guys, the winter box just came out and I just got it last week, and it is phenomenal. They blew it out of the water. It is such a great value, it's about $50 per box, and you receive over $150 worth of beautiful and unique products that are making a difference in the world. I did a live unboxing of the winter box on my Facebook page last week, and you have to go check it out, so be sure to do that. There are just a few winter boxes left. So the team at Causebox has been so generous as to provide my listeners an exclusive coupon code for $15 off your first box with the code MOLLY. That's $15 off for the code MOLLY. Molly. Simply go to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox. That's stillbeingmolly.com slash C-A-U-S-E-B-O-X and use that coupon code Molly at checkout for $15 off. Now, if you have not heard my interview with Matt Richardson, who is one of the co-founders of Causebox, you can go back and listen to episode 13 of this podcast to hear his amazing, hilarious, and crazy stories and how he started Causebox. Now, back to my conversation with Jackie. I would say that I think it is so important and what, you're, what you've are what said and what you are doing is so important that you knew from the beginning that you needed help. And I think there is this misconception in the entrepreneurship world that mm-hmm. business owners have to be like, well, I mean, I just figured it out and I just, you know, I did it myself and I just, I mean, I don't understand why we can't just say, hey, you know what, this is the next, this is an area that I... You know, maybe over here, I'm an expert in this area, mm-hmm. but I really don't know how to do all this other stuff. And so often I find just in creative business owners, um, you know, whether it's a clothing brand or, you know, maybe they're a wedding photographer, or maybe they're a, a calligrapher or, you know, they they sell a physical product. I mean, even like in the industry I'm in with podcasting and blogging, I mean, so many of us are creatives. We are not business people. like that is, and then all of a sudden we get thrust into this business world, and we're like, "Oh man, I didn't realize I have to think about that. Or, I mean, I didn't have to realize I have to think about that. You know, and yes, mm-hmm. you learn along the way, but but you can avoid a lot of years of mistakes if you learn from somebody else. <laughs> so I think it's just it's so I think what you have said and what you've done is so important. For mm-hmm. people to just know that it is okay to not know everything. In fact, it is. It shows a sign of maturity, and it shows a sign of um, of just being able, being humble enough to say, you know what, I want to learn from somebody else so that I can do this right from the beginning. And yes, I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, things. I'm going to learn more along the way. But by having that foundation, you're setting yourself up for. Much, you know, success much quicker than maybe if you had had you know three, four, five years of really having to learn things the hard way. If that makes sense.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, and I think that for me, I have a full time job, I have a child, I have a family. Um, I it was I really needed to make decisions as I started this this side project about where and how I was going to allocate time, and mm-hmm. I. I mean, I think in this case, scenario age has been on my side. I've already been working in my real life, if that's what it is called, um, for 20 years. So I I know how long it's taken me to develop expertise and subject matter knowledge in a whole other world mm-hmm. that I, I felt like there's I don't. I guess there's no shame in my game. I was like, I need to know more. I need to learn this. I need, I need to understand um, what I don't know. And I felt that it was really one of the best decisions I made in terms of time allocation was to dedicate um, time. It's about ten hours a, a week with the assignments, you know, that that are that you have for person clutch that I really I wanted to spend the time learning. And I chose to do that in that in in that period of of time during the apprenticeship because I felt that you know we can spend ten hours doing lots of things, but I yeah. felt that sometimes you just end up you know googling the things that you're looking for or you can go down so many rabbit holes and I thought this is really a good way for me to learn more about what I'm trying to learn and just soak it up and I I mean I really feel fortunate that that the program exists and that I was able to find it yeah. um and that it was and that it was available and that I could do it I mean because it, it just To me, it really was something that helped me to just become a stronger, um, a a stronger business owner basically and and entrepreneur. So I, yeah, I I think people think that they don't, and and it's kind of, you know, you, it's a lot to, to figure out, to put time into something else, but I think it's really worth it. And I, um, yeah, I, I guess I was a bit of an evangelist at the end because I felt like this, this would have taken me probably another year to learn some of these pieces um yeah and, and you know what's also interesting is i i think what you were saying too about you know creatives not knowing how to run a business and and that there's you know we all have knowledge gaps i mean that's for sure and and i think that one of the things the program does that i really appreciated is to provide tools and resources for the knowledge gaps i mean i there's one session that's just about all of the different platforms and, um, technological apps and, um, solutions that you can use to help you with some of those pieces of the business, which, you know, I think a lot of that, you just end up doing trial and error and figuring out, and you're not sure what's, you know, the best way to do things. So I, I mean, I, we don't all know it all, that's for sure. And I think it's just really great to have the opportunity to see how somebody else has developed um, their model, and you can really take what would be beneficial for you um, back to your own process. Yeah.
0: So if somebody is in that place where they feel like they want to maybe embark, on a journey of doing something like this, how do they get involved with either Person Clutches Ethical Apprenticeship, or where do they even begin to start looking at these types of things?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that she's running, now she does the apprenticeships via Skype, um, and they have some video-based platforms so that they're, I think from a time perspective, the Cohort can figure out when when to best meet to have discussions. So that seems like a really good opportunity for people all over the world. And, and yeah. in fact, in our cohort, we had three individuals total and one of our um, members moved to Indonesia where she does the production for her pro- project project midway through the cohort so we were trying to find time adjustments for all of us to participate in conversation and so we were making some some decisions about when to meet it's i mean it, it you know anybody could do it basically yeah um i think that her next application process is due in december and there's uh, on her website or on the website for Person Clutch, um, there's a, a tab for apprenticeships, and I think that's a really good start just to even look at whether or not that's the right match for somebody. I think that for me, it sort of depends on where you are in the process in terms of what probably makes the most sense with regard to a resource that's going to help you. Um, I thought the apprenticeship was really valuable for anyone who is Starting, who's who's in the idea inception phase, or startup phase, and probably even in the production phase because there's some, there's there's a lot on scaling. So I think it's really appropriate for a lot of people, even if it they're just thinking like I have an idea, I'm not sure it's going to work, I don't even know if I'm going to do it. You know, it still would be a, a valuable opportunity to learn what the business might take. And that could be a really good screening process for somebody. Yeah. Um, And I think it's definitely worth it. Uh, And then also if you're in production, which I already was in production, it's extremely helpful because I could think about the sort of next layers of actually marketing and distribution, sales channels, some of the things that were really coming up for me. And then I think if somebody is, you know, further along in production, I I mean incubators are also excellent if you if they're available. I typically they are incubators can be really focused on tech traditionally, but there are some for instance I'm in one that focuses on social impact work. So not everybody's doing fashion for sure. In fact I'm the only one that's doing fashion um in my group. Yeah. But we're all doing projects that have to do with social impact and it's very good for, I would say, the startup phase, production phase, whatever. Production. Some people are doing service delivery, but um, you know, kind of their launch, I guess, uh, would be the right word for that. So that you already have an idea, you already have like a, a minimum viable product of some sort that yeah. you're trying to get out into the world and really create, you know, your scaling model and things like that. So. Incubators are probably I don't know. There's all kinds out there, so I don't want to steer anyone away from that if there's a appropriate one for their project. But I, yeah. for me personally, that that's been a really good match for a later phase of, um, of uh, kind of business launch. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think
0: it's so important to take those steps to make sure that you're, you know, setting yourself on the right foot to be able to because, as you know, and you know, a lot of people that are listening that maybe are in this space or just, or, and maybe they're not, is this is not an easy space to work in. It's not, it's hard to own a business as it is. But Mm -hmm. then when you, like you said, like, yes, there are challenges even working in the U.S., but When you add in that layer of working internationally, when you're talking about everything from language barriers to um, accessibility of raw materials. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a friend who um, owns a company who had planned an entire collection around a certain material. Um, they had made samples, everything like that. They went to production, and all of a sudden, the people they were working with in the country were just like, "Oh yeah, we don't have that material anymore." Yeah. So like, I mean, <laughs> like, and they're, they're like, "What? What? What do you mean we don't have that material anymore? Like, we plan this entire collection around this and this mm-hmm. one material, and all of a sudden it's not there." So you have those types of roadblocks that can be really challenging um, and add just another layer of difficulty to um, the situation. But you know, in the end it's worth it. And so I think that's really cool too, how you said that um, Jen starts with the whys, like why is this important? And this is something I talk about a lot when I, so I teach a lot of classes um, on blogging and um, you know, working in the internet space Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I start every class, even if it is no matter what the focus topic is, whether it's monetization or whether it's just how to get started or how to grow every single class. I talk about the why and I say you have to focus on the why part of your business. And this, I think, is the most probably the most universal business advice I've been given and I try to give to other people is focus on your why, because if you don't have that as your foundation, you will burn out and you will quit because (laughs) I mean when When the times get hard and when you get to that roadblock, or when you get to that mountain and you feel like you just cannot pass because of whatever this challenge is that, that's in front of you, the thing that's going to continue to motivate you is the why and that's mm-hmm. whether you know you have a really big passion for working in a particular developing country or maybe you have um, you know maybe you're doing more of like a give back model and you are trying to you know collect, Funds or imp- positively impact a nonprofit or whatever it is, you know, you have to have that greater calling. You have to have that greater purpose. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the whole reason for this podcast is I, yeah. you know, is we all, obviously, unless we're unemployed, <laughs> we all do something for a living. Um, and even if we're unemployed, like we're a parent, we're a spouse, we're a friend you know we do something every day in our day. we do something every day and if we continue to do that same thing over and over and over again we can get burned out but mm-hmm. there's probably a passion or a drive that helps us to do that thing and get through the hard times you know even as a parent like i think mm-hmm. about parenting, my young children, my daughters, you know, four, my son is one, um, almost two, and you know, when I have those days as a parent where I am losing my patience and I have maybe yelled at my kids one too many times and, you know, my husband gets home from work and I hand my kids to that, to him and I go, yeah, yeah. I'm tapping out. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to just walk out and never be their parent again because the – my drive is my love for them but also i want to i want to be the best mom i can be and i want to you know mm-hmm. make sure i'm raising good kind generous children um so you know, it, it sounds overly simplistic, but it's not. I mean, it's important, and um, it's it's something that we all need to you know. It's something that should that should drive us and should motivate us. Is that underlying mm-hmm. why? And so, and yeah. So anyway, I, I just thought that that is that's so important. I love that that that's a focus for you, and that was also a focus of this apprenticeship.
1: I think yeah, I, and I was just going to piggyback on one of those concepts is that I think the having the why and sort of the core values, which is something that also gets talked about at the, in the apprenticeship is it also allows you to pivot because I, I mean, if you're, if you're so focused on the product and what you're putting out there, I mean, nine times out of 10, something about that product is not going to work. I mean, this whole business is iteration like a hundred percent. So, you know, you're, if, for me, if I were really focused on just you know the sales piece of getting a product out there and and being invested in that, I just don't, I don't think that's a viable long term strategy because um, it you know it's a learning process and you you also iterate based on what you get in terms of feedback from the customer base and what people resonate with and how they approach your product. So I think the why, I mean in terms of for my business specifically, and I think for a lot of other people who are in this space, I mean, that's where you are. That's your anchor. That's what you're always coming back to is I'm, I'm working towards an ethical production model. I would like to support small batch manufacturing. Um, and that's something I'm really interested in looking at, you know, how do you, how do you uh, create collectives of small batch manufacturing in the future? I mean, that's something for me, those are the, what I produce or like how it ends up coming out into the world will be based on so many other factors, including, you know, customer feedback. But like you said, maybe, maybe there's not going to be any more aqua, you know, Peruvian cotton available. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot. Yep. Yep. um, You just gotta, you just gotta be like, Hey, it's cool. It's cool. We're going to do something else and we're good. Yeah. (laughs) Because ultimately the mission is that I'm trying to produce economic opportunity for individuals and highlight their work and their artistry. So I am going, and already I designed to that piece, but that's the backbone, how it, how it ends up coming out into the world may shift, but that, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the backbone of the, the, the project will, will essentially remain the same. It may, it, that it may evolve, but it would, it'll come back to the same purpose. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, Jackie, this is the time of the show where we go into what we have sort of dubbed the lightning round. But this is the point where we just get to know you, Jackie. We get to know you a little bit more okay. and, and ask you kind of some unique, unique, fun questions. So uh, the first question, are you are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know.
1: I'm horrible at games, so I'm gonna do my best. (laughs) I was like worried when you said lightning round. It's
0: cool. It's cool. And oh, and then this is also the part where I allow my husband, because who he edits my shows, to insert a fun sound effect here. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. All right, so so the first question, and this is a question that, um, so I'd ask some friends, like, what are some just really funny and unique and ridiculous questions that you could ask somebody to get to know them, and or just to make them laugh? And this one cracked me up so much. It's ridiculous. It's an absurd question, but I don't care. It's my show, and so I'm going to ask what I want. <laughs> uh, would you rather fight 10 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, let me see. I, I'm going to go with what I rather, I would fight 10 horse sized. I mean, I'm sorry, 10 duck sized horses, right? Yeah, see, that was what um, I picked too.
0: That was what yeah. I picked too.
1: <laughs> I would pick that because I'm a firm believer in, um, just taking the next step and like to, you know everything is sort of a battle in life right so just just getting the small things done the small obstacles so i'm going to i'm going to you know take that out to a philosophical place and say like you can get a lot of little hurdles taken care of but I don't know one big one feels a little bit more daunting to me
0: <laughs> I love it I love it yeah no I completely agree I think that is and I think your reasoning is is very smart I wonder if there's some like psychological thing behind the answer of like yeah, maybe like think... men would rather side fight the one horse size duck I don't know I don't know maybe I, I'm gonna make everybody's head hurt um what was the first movie you saw in the theater do you remember
1: Oh, I don't know the very first one, but I would say, like, one of the first memorable movies I saw in the theater was E.T. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. And, you know, one. it was a pizza theater. Like, they, they served pizza at the – that's a thing now. But, it you is know, a thing now. I don't know. 50, 20 years ago. I'm not sure that that was – 15 years ago. I don't know if that was such a thing. And no. so you know, that, I was, like, mesmerized that you could, like, eat your pizza and see E.T. So <laughs> – that's awesome that's awesome yeah
0: i think et was one of the first vhs's i owned but i don't know yeah. that i saw it in the theater and i yeah, and i'm gonna admit way. like i was a young kid like i think back i'm like et was kind of scary for a like an yeah. elementary school kid to be watching uh-huh. i don't know i don't think i'd w- let my kid watch et right now but you know mainly because she'd be like mommy i have nightmares yeah um okay all right so now we're going into the lightning round this is either or questions rapid fire okay. you just answer what comes to mind first or okay. whatever answer it is first. You know what I mean. All right. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Cake or pie?
1: Pie, 100%. Oh,
0: what kind of pie? <laughs> oh,
1: girl, any pie. Any I pie. i the South, so. <laughs> yeah, you're <love> like, pie. <laughs> I, haven't
0: met, I haven't met a pie I don't like.
1: That is me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Books or movies? Books. Pepsi or Coke? A Coke, 100%. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Tacos or burritos? Oh, tacos. I live in Austin. You're in Austin. I know. (laughs) All of my Austin guests all say tacos. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Introvert or extrovert? Oh, introvert. Call or text? Text. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) Um, Whenever somebody calls me, I'm like, oh, man, really? (sighs) I mean, no offense if if you're listening and like you're a friend, you've called me. I mean, I love you. (laughs) Text me. Um, PC or Mac? Oh, PC. (laughs) Crushed ice or cubed ice? Oh, uh, cubed ice. Cubed, cubed. Interesting. You know, this is the one that, so I'm a crushed ice girl all the way. And I feel like the answers I keep getting on from people are 50-50. Like they're
1: they're split. Yeah, that's interesting. No, well, I also like uh, fancy cocktails. So I associate cubed ice with fancy
0: cocktails. Yeah, see, I like, like, I, I want my crushed ice to be like real chewy. I want it to be like, yeah, like Sonic Ice- is my jam. Like that is my jam. Um, there's also like a chain of gas stations here in, um, central North Carolina called cruisers and cruisers has the best crushed ice. Oh man. So good. Uh, well, Jackie, that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for just sharing your vision. But also I just, I love how you just really kind of gave us the nuts and bolts of how this works and, um, and what this looks like and, and that, this is a good thing for business owners to do and and you know i think I really think it's going to encourage a lot of people who maybe are in that beginning stage of thinking of starting their own business, especially in sort of the ethical space and um I just really think it's going to impact a lot of people so thank you so much well thank you i i
1: really I hope all of your listeners. Um, I think. I think. I, for me, I was looking for resources, and I hope that it's helpful to hear about some of the resources out there. So, and th- thank you so much for having me.
0: I admire Jackie
1: so much for what
0: she is doing and how she wanted to do it right from the beginning. That takes such wisdom to know that you want to learn from someone else who has gone before and done it well. If you haven't heard my episode with Jen Lewis of Person Clutch, you can actually go back to episode 61 to hear that one. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time guest, welcome. If you are a regular listener, thank you for your support week in and week out. Your support really, really means the world to me. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode. And while you are there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? This latest review from Lemon and the Sea says, Molly does a great job choosing guests who really have a bigger mission behind their business. This isn't like a lot of other business podcasts because it's not all about actionable strategies, but that's why I love it. Every episode inspires me to continue doing more with my business. Thank you so much for that review. These reviews really do help me to know what you guys like and what is impacting you personally. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag businesswithpurposepodcast or tag me at stillbeingmolly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Be sure to go to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use that coupon code Molly at checkout for $15 off. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.